Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Lead Volunteers Podcast. My name is Josh Denhart. We're grateful that you're here. Again, we do this podcast for three very simple reasons. Number one, we want to help you, the ministry leader, get organized. Number two, we want to help you stop the revolving door of volunteers. And number three, and quite honestly, the most important thing, we want to prevent ministry burnout so that you can actually sustain and stay in the game for a very, very, very long time. Well, today we have a very special guest. I'm super grateful for today's interview. We have Doug Franklin. Doug, thanks for joining us today. Happy to be here. Well, I'm grateful. Hey, listen, tell us a little bit about yourself. You're kind of a big deal in the youth ministry space, and you've been doing this for a long time. You've been extremely successful. Before we get into the interview, just tell us tell us a little bit about who you are, your passions, and kind of what, what you're up to these days. Yeah, hey, uh, it's great to be here. I'm thankful uh, for this chance to interact with you and discuss. You know, I, uh, I got involved in youth ministry a long time ago, back in the 80s and 90s, and um, I was really enjoying uh, the youth ministry, but I was looking around and I was noticing everything that was growing in my youth ministry was because students were taking ownership. Students were right. growing. And so I realized the more I gave students to do in terms of leadership, the more that they involved themselves, the more they engaged, the deeper they went. And so I started looking around for leadership uh, materials that I could use with students. And it was really funny because I'd look around and, you know, some of the bigger publishers at that time, I would talk to them and they would say, I don't know if student leadership is really part of youth ministry, which is kind of <laughs> interesting. Uh, but um, so God laid on my heart, let's start making leadership resources. So I started by creating an experience through a missions trip where students would develop leadership because you look at a mission trip, everything's a leadership lab. It is. From cooking the food to the ministry site to the work project. I mean, there's just leadership labs everywhere. And yes. so we started doing mission trips that were all about leadership. And uh, I had this one line, students would ask me, well, what do I do? And I would say, I don't know, what do you think? And then they would say, I hate you. And I would say, listen, I, I refuse to leave you have a, how I found you. I want you to grow. And for you to grow, yes. you gotta wrestle with these things. You gotta, you gotta decide. Josh, I, I, I've stood in grocery stores with students crying in the pasta aisle. Like, do I get bow tie? Do I get angel hair? Do I, you know, and yes. like, just get whatever you want and then sell it to your team. And students, they don't know how to make decisions. They don't, they, they, right. they're, they're living in a world where everything's done for them. So these leadership labs, these mission trips became more than just serving. Serving was really important, but they became even more important than that because we could do leadership. And because we were doing leadership, we could do discipleship. Yes. And, 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 and we began to do these mission trips at a really level. And then youth pastors said to us, Hey, so what do you have for me this fall? And my answer was sign up for your trip next year. Yeah. <laughs> and that, that wasn't going to fly. Right? So you decided, so I started, you decided to expand a little bit. Yeah. Create resources, create training. I realized that a lot of youth workers couldn't go on our mission trip. So we created trainings to help them understand that, uh, on how to do what we were doing. We curriculum, uh, campus crusade at that time would crew today came along and said, Hey, would you guys come to Latin America and train all of our staff? So I took on a 10 year project of training all crew staff throughout Latin America on how to be what I learned in Latin America really transformed how I was training back here in the States. And so I brought all that knowledge that I learned over 10 years and put it into the training that we're doing today. And that's why I connect with what you're doing so much. Yeah. But uh, today, you know, there's probably 20,000, 30,000 churches that are using curriculum from us. There's probably um, 
There's probably uh, another big group, I don't know, that are just downloading something from free from our website or using it. Um, but there's still just about 100 churches that do mission with us. It was yes. really funny. The other day, someone said to me, man, I really love your curriculum. When did you guys start doing mission trips? And you're um, like, actually, so that's it, how it, we it, started. Yeah. <laughs> So um, I, I love being God's child. I love the way he leads. I love the way he took me just looking around one night at my junior hires and going, wait a second, I'm missing something here. Students are leading like crazy. When I challenge them, they jump over the bar. And if I put the bar higher, they jump higher. Yes. And I, that, just that moment that night, God used that in a powerful way. And still today, our mission is developing leaders to fulfill the Great Commission. And when when I let God drive the car and I sit in the back seat and I say, I'm your servant and I'll follow you, we, we, we see good things happen. And yeah. I, I love, I love uh, following Jesus and, um, and I love this ministry that he's given to us. I don't feel like I've worked a day since we started. Isn't that I fun? I just feel like I'm just having fun every day. So uh, I really appreciate being with you today. You betcha. Well, today we're talking kind of about spiritually significant relationships and the power of an equipped volunteer. I was looking at your website. Uh, this is what you do. This is what this is the, your heartbeat, at least one of the big four that I've seen on your website. So, you know, on the podcast, we kind of have four, excuse me, three really significant kind of buckets that we kind of seek to, to allow the listener to have some mental scaffolding. And so we're going to define it, we're going to develop it, and then we're going to ask you how do we go about doing this? And so to kick us off, kind of help us from a definition standpoint. When we talk about spiritually significant relationships, help us with that. Um, let me let me kind of give you uh, two things here. One is um, uh, I have a friend, Mac Lake, and he talks about this a lot. And I really love what he says about this. He says, a level one relationship where you know face and facts, right? I know that's Timmy. He's sophomore he plays football right and then and then there's this uh, the second level where you know something about their fears their their feelings and their faith and i really love this because i think one of the things that we're trying to do in ministry is we're trying to develop second level relationships yes so when i'm challenging youth workers i say hey make this big grid put all the kids on one access in your youth ministry put all your adult volunteers over the top on another access and when your adults have built a second level relationship with a student come and put a star at their name and at the student's name where they intersect yes and the goal is to build as many second level relationships as you can now um I say this because people in church love stickers, right? They love that <laughs> sticker, sticker and they love to be able to put it there. So um, I'm, com I'm combining two things, building deep relationships and, and church stickers. And, uh, and I think that um, that idea is, is that we're working to get everybody in our youth ministry into a second level relation or into our kids ministry yes. or into our adult ministry. I was doing a big training down in Texas a few years ago and I did four hours of training with a large church and we had about 50 adult volunteers in the room and I was at the end and I was saying give me give me some of your takeaways what what what, what what's running through your head and this woman raised her hand and she said after listening to you today Doug I have decided that I'm going to get to know the names of the girls in my small group <laughs> that's a great first step I I I did I, you know I'm standing in front oh of my. everybody and I'm like oh what a great idea yes you know what I mean so I think sometimes in church, we've got this idea, let's get them through the program. Like the program's gonna- Yes. 
at the end of the day, it's that relationship. So why do we build that second level relationship? Here's the second answer is because we want to help students walk in, in obedience to what Jesus Christ has commanded. You betcha. That's, that, that's what we want to do. If, whether it's children's ministry, whether it's adult ministry, young adults, whatever it is, we're trying to get them to walk in obedience to what Jesus go into all the world and make disciples teaching them everything that I've commanded you. That would be the Doug Franklin uh, paraphrase. Yes. That, but we always leave that second part out. We say, go into all the world and make disciples. And we always forget that second part of what it says there. And I believe that that's an essential for us. And I believe that one of the struggles that we're facing in church ministry today is that we don't have a lot of mature um, spiritual self-feeders people that can go into God's word, open it up, read it, be convicted by the Holy Spirit of it, confess their sin, and begin to live in a different way, applying God's word to live in a different way. And because we don't have that, because we haven't taught that skill, we're struggling to, to really go deep in our spiritual relationships with other people. If we haven't been discipled, it's hard to disciple somebody. I would else. agree with that. Simpler way of putting it. I would agree. So, what, so I think those are the two keys. I think it's building second level relationships and it's really having that significant relationship in order to help help students, adults walk in obedience with Jesus Christ. Okay, so before we move, that's a great definition. I want you to redefine, because I think it's really powerful, redefine a level one relationship and a level two. I think that is really profound and we need to, to rest on that for a minute. Tell us what a level one is. So level one is I know your name and I know a fact about you. And so I'm, 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 a quid, I, I'm, I'm putting it in youth ministry terms because that's my world. So I think about, I know Timmy, he's yes. a sophomore and uh, he plays football. And I think a lot of people at church would say, we know Timmy. I don't think Timmy would say that he's known by him. Right. right. And I think I meet a lot of adults who go, oh, I know Timmy. I had his older brother a couple of years ago and I, I know Timmy. Yeah, I don't think you know Timmy. Right. Or I have adults that say to me, oh, I know Timmy's mom and dad. We're really close. We're in the same small group together. Guess who you don't know? You don't know Timmy. Right. right? So I think that's a level one relationship. And don't get me wrong. Level one relationships are good. They're the first step. That's the but first step. Got, right. Right. But we got to go to that second level relationship, something about feelings, fear, and faith. So I like to do this thing called 100 questions. So whenever I meet a student, I look at them because usually they're wearing some article of clothing that says something about them. They always are. I think For adults sure. are doing this too. I would so agree. I say, hey, I see you got an Ohio State jersey on there. Well, why do you like Ohio State? And, and they're going to answer my question, and I'm going to take their their answer. I'm going to formulate another question. Oh, your dad went there. Hey, tell me, what's your what's your relationship with your dad like? And they're like, oh, we're going to, you know, you're going to ask we're, me questions. You're gonna, we're we're going there, yeah. We're going there. So we're going to start asking questions in order to find out something that goes deeper. And so, you know, one of the things that I know is that students are open to this because they have a favorite subject and it is themselves. Yes. And if you'll talk about them, if you'll talk about them, they'll talk to you. I'm an old, old guy, right? And I come in and I start asking you, kids are always looking at me like I'm weird. But after about four or five questions, they realize it's all about them and I wanna talk about them. You know, in an adult relationship, you and I would meet and I would say, hey, Josh, how are you? And he'd say, how are you, Doug? And then we'd start asking each other questions to find out a point of connection. That's exactly so right. So I might find out that you just went to Disney World. 
I love Disney World. And so we would talk about Epcot, our favorite ride, and would go back and forth. That's an adult conversation. I don't have those conversations with students. When I'm with the student, I ask 100 questions, one after another, going a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper, and a little bit deeper. So a lot of times adults say to me, Doug, can you give me this list of questions? I'm like, no, you're not going to stand in front of a student and go, right. Give me a second here. I want a uh, favorite movie. Uh, Help me with that. No, you're not doing that. You're just asking them questions about themselves. And when the door opens, go a little bit deeper. So I always start with, what do you like? What are you wearing? So so this is is interesting. So it isn't a, this is so funny. This is not a stock set of a hundred questions. No, what you're doing is, is you're asking a total of 100 questions and you're determining what the next question is based on the the ongoing right here and right. now development of that relationship. So that's exactly right. Level one is, you know, facts, figures, you know, their name. Level two is where we all want to go. Okay. So from a definition yeah. standpoint, I think that's fantastic. Now, can I say one more thing? Yes, please do. This? Please do. I want to say what I want to say what the hundredth question is. The hundredth question is this. So where are you at with Jesus? Wow. And I, every time that I've done the 99 students are willing to answer the hundredth. When you put in the time, up. when you put in the right. time, Right. And I know a lot of people want to go right to that question sometimes, right? Like they care about students. They want to go right there. But if you put in the 99 and believe you me, sometimes it's 20 questions and I get to that one. Sometimes it's 3,000 it. questions to get to yes. that one. But when I get to that one, students are usually like, I'll tell you, Doug, you know, because I made it all about them. And Even you know, subject? The, the funny thing is there's this way old, I think it was uh, uh, Sun Life. I think it was Sun Life that came up with it or that kind of, I remember it from. It's earning the right to be heard. It's earning the right to be heard. And so all of a sudden, when you ask that series of questions, now here's the interesting thing. So you and I, as ministry leaders and those who are listening to this podcast, generally speaking, we know how to do this. Generally speaking, the, the disconnect, the disconnect is when my volunteers don't know how to do this very organic, nuanced, uh, uh, very personal and they're like, no, 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 no. Give me the hundred questions. Well, there aren't a hundred questions. Well, you just told me that I'm supposed to ask a hundred questions. So that this leads us to our next thing. Yes, we've defined what a spiritually significant relationship is. It is level two that, that can go deeper with the scriptures at the right time. So how do you get people to go there? Because like you said, everybody thinks they know Timmy. I don't think they do. I think there's a couple of ways. I, can I tell you a funny story? I Please. do this in trainings with a, I say, find somebody in this room you don't know very well. And you can't be a spouse, can't be like your best friend, just find somebody in this room. And they're always like, Doug, no, why do we have to do this? I'm like, no, I just want you to find, find somebody, sit face to face. You One person goes first and then the other person will go. And I want you to start asking questions. Don't respond with, with anything about your own life. Just ask another question, ask another question, ask another question. And then after a few minutes, I'll yell stop. And there's this moan in the room. Come on. Oh my goodness. <laughs> right. So we do it. Right. And then the, after about three minutes, I go uh, switch and then they switch. And about three minutes later, I'm like, okay, everybody come back. Nobody wants to come back because Everybody they're engaged. Like, right. They're engaged. You're like, 
hey, I thought I knew you. I didn't know this about you. Or they're like, man, it's kind of sweet just sitting here and having people ask me questions about myself. Right. You know? Okay. So yeah. the groaning, it went from groaning to now they're bemoaning that they have to stop. Yeah, right. And, and, and you know, it's, it's a little weird. I mean, it's a little weird. I've had a lot of students who I start asking questions and give me one word answers. And I realize that I'm going to need to toughen up and I'm going to have to stick with it. And I'm going to have to show them that I'm in it. And so the next time I see them a week later, I start right where I left off. Cause I make a note in my little notebook about who I'm talking to. Sure. And, and that's, that's the way to do it. I think is to practice it. I didn't get yes. good at a hundred questions until I did it like 25 times. For sure. You know what I mean? For sure. And now I've probably done it. 20,000 times, but I, I'm now comfortable. I now do it with adults because it actually works with adults. Well, it, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not just, hey, this is the formula to reach a student. This is the formula to reach a kid. This is relationship 101. Right. Right? right. And the entirety and I, of the kingdom. Yeah. How many adults don't know how to do it, right? They just don't know how to do it. Okay. So I think equipping ourselves is really training ourselves to ask a lot of in-depth questions of other people so we can discover. And I think this is a lost art a little bit is it discovering is. somebody else because we live in this social media age and selfies and all this other stuff. I don't know that we're spending a lot of time asking ourselves, how do I discover Josh? How do I get to know Josh? Right. How do I, how do I, how do I get to know Timmy? How do I really get down in there? And I think too is, we're not really good at seeing the signs once we reach that. So Timmy, let's give, tell you another, Timmy comes to youth group and he says, Hey Doug, Hey Doug, can I ask you a question? Will you pray for me? I got a big chemistry test uh, tomorrow and um, I'm not feeling super confident. Would you pray for me? I'm like, yeah, Timmy, you got it, buddy. I'm praying for you. And the next day I throw up a quick prayer. Lord, remember Timmy, um, teach him everything about that periodic table to know. And, and then the next week, Timmy comes to youth group. It's like, Doug, 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 Doug. Hey, I gotta tell you something. Um, I did really well. I got a B on that chemistry test. Thanks for praying. And I go, Timmy, no problem. And I, and Timmy runs away and I think, oh man, I'm really glad Timmy did well. Right. What did I just miss? Right. I just missed that Timmy gave me trust. He came to me with a, with a fear. Chemistry. Yes. He shared that fear with me. I uh, prayed for him and he came and shared the results with me. I have now stepped into a trust relationship with Timmy. You know what I can do with Timmy? I can go deeper. Yes. Because I'm in the second level. I'm in that second level. So Timmy, trust me, I can, I can challenge him a little bit more with God's word. I can go a little bit deeper into his behaviors and his mindsets and his actions. And I think one of the things that we miss as uh, volunteers sometimes is that when we make the step from the first level to the second level, we don't act any different. You don't, right. Like, like, yeah, like we have a first level. And what we got to do is we got to look for the signs that trust has been built. Yes. That they've shared with us a feeling or they've shared with us a fear or a fact. And when that happens, we need to go, hey, I can go deeper now. I've gotten, it's I've gotten genius. the okay to take a step deeper. And so I don't think that the idea of just training on how to ask questions, but it's also training on how to look for trust being built. So you, it's, I, it's the realization that my efforts, okay, here's the thing. The, the, the questions are a means. They are the vehicle toward a relational end. It's the, the questions themselves are the path. They aren't the thing. The questions right. are the thing to get us to the thing. And right. 
And what you're saying is we need to train people not only just to ask good questions. That's I'm going to say that's level one ministry. Level two ministry is when you actually realize you actually got there. Now, what do you do? Right. Exactly right. Wow. And I think one of the things that makes this scenario with Timmy work is that we had time. And I think one of the things is, is that as we have gotten crunched for time at church, we have kept the talk, the sermon, we have kept the game or the activity, but what we have sacrificed over time is the relational time. That's right. And so, you know, you know, the old, the old adage, if you're a, if you're a tither, you could prove it to me with your checkbook, right? Yes, of course. If you're, if you're a ministry leader and you have, you believe in deep relationships, you could prove it to me with the time that you've allowed your volunteers to have to build relationships. Right. Because and get it, this, I, it's never, and, and by the way, you said this before we clicked record, which I thought was genius. You were like, you know, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, we had three face-to-face -face meetings with kids a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, something like that. Right. And yep. then, and now we're lucky to get three a month, not 12 a month. Okay. Okay. So since that's changed, I loved what you said. You said with that change, with the, with the, the decreased amount of time we're going to be with these people, the things that haven't changed are the talk, the game and the, you know, the, the, whatever the point is, is that it's, it was in the 12 opportunities that you had in a month. It's time plus that consistency of behavior of just being around somebody and they're tired this week. They're not tired. They're, they're, they're hopped up this week. They, you, you get to see them in all, it, it, it's time. And that's what we're, that's what we're missing. It's so important. Yeah. My, uh, there's a guy I love to follow, Dr. Jim Galvin. He's a work. He was at youth for Christ for many years, but he, he always says this time plus fellowship equals relationship. I agree. And um, and if you don't have time, if there's no time to hang out, talk, you know, share a, a coffee or whatever, then you uh, you can't build those relationships. So, um, yeah, we've sacrificed a lot of things for programming. And we the have. thing that I hate that we've sacrificed the most is relationship. Couldn't agree more. OK, so we're 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 on to something good first of all i love this idea of a level one relationship in a level two relationship we're wanting to get people to to engage ask questions dig for more but then we want them to know what to do once they've got there so take us home how do we make this happen? Sure, it's it's teaching people to be a, a Socratic, right? Socrates always asks questions, right? And so um, right. to be the person that's always going, you know, from that question, it's that leads to another question, which leads to another, which leads to another. And then we're hoping that we find a gold mine, not the gold mine, a gold mine. Right. So how do we make yeah. this happen as we kind of close off today? Okay, so let me just state this, I, I, and I think I said this earlier uh, when you and I were talking, but the church is the greatest training organization in the world, and we stink at training. What <laughs> right. we got to do is we got to get really good at training. And one of the things that we need to train on is how to build relationships. I know it sounds crazy because that's kind of what we thought everybody came to the game with, but they don't have it. Right. So we need to tr train on something like as simple as a hundred questions or level one, level two, and just really, really give people a chance to understand that. 
I think another thing that we've got to do, which desperately need to do in the discipleship process is that we need to be able to share our own story of transformation. Now, before all of my SBC friends are like, hey, testimony, I love this. No, I'm not talking about <laughs> that testimony. I'm talking about what God is doing in my life today, right? Now. where I'm struggling, where my mistakes are, where I'm having a little bit of success, what I'm learning from God's word. Okay, One if I could push things- pause, if I could push pause there, very interesting because... Because in a counseling situation, you're looking to do, I think it's called like emotional reciprocity, right? So a counselor will often mirror, mirror what they just saw from a person. That's really, really, really powerful. Well, here's the interesting thing. If you just said that you want to be, you want to share level two things with your people, like what's going on right now? I want to share about my fears, my hopes, my faith that's happening right now, not a canned three-minute testimony. You want to share level two things about yourself. That yeah. that's that's gonna show them where they can go. It's this emotional reciprocity. You've seen some of this Barna research and some other people have done research on this. Why people walk away from church is because they can't be as perfect as everybody there. Sure. And 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 I I I, I think that's terrible because if I'm not sharing my mistakes, if I'm not sharing what I'm confessing, I'm not sharing some of the things I'm struggling with, then then church looks to be like a bunch of perfect people. Then and, and if you're an imperfect person joining is really hard. And I think too is one of the most vulnerable things we're asking somebody to do is to lay down their cross, their own personal life, and pick up Jesus Christ's cross, right? Sure. We're asking them to do the most vulnerable thing they've ever done and let somebody else be the Lord of their life. Yes. And if we don't demonstrate to them vulnerability in that and don't talk about some of the things that are shaky for us about what we believe and what we don't believe and where we're struggling, then I think that we're never going to be able to disciple people. Because right. if we're only discipling people to look like church people, then I, big I, fail. I, I think big fail. Yeah, big fail, big fail, big fail. So the, the first thing is build that deep, meaningful relationship. Second thing is share your own story of redemption. Yes. Every time I do a Bible study, if it's with my adults, if it's with students, whoever I'm doing in a, a Bible study, after I read the passage, I always talk about my own life for about three minutes. Sure. Hey, this is this is what in the passage struck me, and this is what I struggle with. This is where I've had some success. This is where I'm. I, I talk about my life for a minute before I say, "Hey, can you answer these three questions?" Sure. Because because if the students don't see my life in that passage, they will most likely tune out for the next twenty minutes so that they can go play dodgeball. And, and you've and also I, you've also just modeled for them. You've modeled for them. Hey, here's how we look at scripture. We look at what it says. We look at what it what what it might mean. We look at how it affects my life and where I can grow. You're modeling for them like this self-reflection through the lens of scripture. Amen. The third thing I'm going to do is I'm going to ask them really intentional questions. You know, when I'm talking with students specifically and with adults, I notice this more and more. Whenever we talk about a biblical passage and I ask them a question, they do this brain scan. The brain starts scanning, scanning, right answer, right answer. Oh, Jesus loves us. Yeah, and they yeah. give this first answer, right? And there's a little bit of truth in it, but there's nothing personal in it because they're trying to get the answer right. So I, I, I try to master this idea of the next question, the second level question, the deeper question, and say, okay, so um, I asked, 
Uh, why did Jesus turn the water into wine? He did it because he loves us. When have you experienced God's love in your own life? Mm -hmm. When have you seen God's love at work in your life? And I try to take every answer, every discussion and drive it into where is Christ in your life in this story? Because at the end of the day, we can talk about every parable. We can talk about the cool Old Testament. We can talk about sure. everything. But at the end of the day, if I don't see where it intersects in my life with what Jesus Christ is doing, I, I won't be able to do that. So discussion for me is always about the intersection of Christ in our lives. I then want to move to application. Where, right. where How can you apply this in your life? And then I want to make that application practical. Who, what, where, when? When are you going to do it? And can I hold yes. you accountable? Can I give you a call tomorrow? Like a student will say, I'm going to love my brother more. Classic student answer, going to love my brother more. What are the chances they're going to love their brother more? Pretty low. Zero. <laughs> so I'm going to say, let's get specific. When do you interact with your brother? Okay, Thursdays, mom works late. I, I let my brother in the house. I make him a sandwich. Okay, what are we going to talk about with your brother? What are we going to do there? And they kind of tell me, okay, Thursday, make a sandwich, talk about Jesus with my brother. I'm like, great. Can I text you Friday morning? And students are like, Doug, no, come on. I'm like, no, you don't understand. If you don't learn to apply God's word, you are the man who's building his house on the sand. That's exactly and right. The time of trouble will come and you'll be swept away. I want you to build your house on the rock. The man who builds his house on the rock, Jesus said, is the man who God's word and applied it, did it. Yes. And that's what I want. And this is where I think most discipleship falls apart. We build that relationship. Maybe we share our story. We talk about God's word and that. And we're, we have a ton of people in our churches that are building their house on the sand. And when the troubles of life come, they disappear from our churches. And they don't know and what to hard. do. They don't know what to do. They don't know. And, and this is why we got people, I think a lot who are deconstructing their faith, who are, um, who are picking and choosing what they're going to believe about God's word. It, we got all kinds of issues from this, but I think applying God's word allows us to build spiritual maturity and accountability is where we as disciplers through that relationship help them grow in Christ. This is so, so this good. This is how I do it. Do it. I love it. Build that relationship. Ask, uh, share that story of redemption. Ask those deeper questions. Help them apply it and hold them accountable. You do that and you're doing discipleship. I love this. And so we need to teach our volunteers to pull this off. This is where we're at. This is fantastic. Doug, in about 60 seconds, could you share with us a little bit about your website? I have it pulled up right here if you're watching this on YouTube. Talk to us just a little bit. Yeah, we, we help youth workers build thriving youth ministries. We do it a couple of ways, through mission trips, through curriculum, and through training. We know youth pastors are going through a time where youth ministries are shrinking and students are really disengaged. And we want to help you engage students, build deeper relationships, have fun, attract your adult volunteers, train them. And we want to give you the resources that you can't have, you can't develop on your own. So we do a lot in the area of leadership development. We do a lot in the area of discipleship. Uh, we wanna help you do those two things. We wanna come alongside of you and be an encouragement to you. A lot of how we build our curriculum is based on what youth workers have told us, what they need, and what will really help them make a difference. We wanna be super practical and we wanna be really helpful. So 
Our mission is developing leaders to fulfill the Great Commission. We come alongside youth workers who are the heroes and we help them grow and develop their their ministries into thriving youth ministries. That's, that's good. our passion. Where so could they good. find this? Give us the URL, give us uh, where to find you. Pretty easy, leadertrex.org. Uh, you can uh, go, uh, go right there and you'll see this website. You can chat with me, you can, uh, you can call our office. We have a lot of great staff. Almost everybody on staff is a former youth worker. Nice. And so they'll love to talk to you. This is what I tell youth workers all the time. Don't buy anything, just come talk to us. Just come chat right. with us. Tell us what you're struggling with. Tell us where your problems are. Tell us what your your as is, what your current reality is and where you wanna go. And we will help you build a bridge from where you are now to where you wanna go. And, and believe you me, it doesn't, you can't do it on your own. The place you will be the least creative is sitting at your desk. <laughs> yeah. You need to get out, you need to talk to people and we're great people to talk to because we would love to share with you our experience, what we've learned, what we've seen, and how we've seen youth ministries be really successful and thriving. Well, Doug, this has been a fantastic conversation. I love the level one, the level two, and where do you go now that you've earned that trust? And of course, we're leading them to the foot of Christ and to say, hey, here's how you live out the Christian life. Well, Doug, thank you, thank you, thank you very much. Gang, this has been the Lead Volunteers Podcast. Our guest, Doug Franklin, fantastic stuff. Hey, listen, if I could land this plane for us, I, I would say this. What are you going to do with this? Like today, tomorrow, how, how are you going? What, what's your takeaway from this? And what are you going to do when it comes to, like, if I could text you, when are you going to do this? When are you going to take what we've talked about, educating your people about how to be artisans and how to artfully get in and ask good questions. Hey gang, this has been the Lead Volunteers Podcast. We're super, super, super grateful. We'll catch you guys on the next one.